0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with the 30-day Home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com/home-trial.
1: With a career spanning over 50 years, French electronic music pioneer Jean-Michel Jarre has played all over the world and sold an estimated 80 million albums. He has broken his own Guinness Book record 3 times for what is still the largest outdoor concert attendance ever. Three and a half million people in Paris in 1997. You have probably heard music from any number of Jean-Michel's seminal albums: *Oxygène*, *Equinox*, Zulu, plus his two more recent electronica collaborations featuring guest artists as diverse as John Carpenter, The Orb, The Pet Shop Boys, and M83. Besides composing music and touring, Jean-Michel possesses a passion for painting, science fiction, and movies. These are the outside interests that we spoke about for the second episode of Side Jams. Which was conducted in the rooftop bar atop the Knickerbocker Hotel in Times Square in New York City. We had the place all to ourselves except for one bartender who was getting ready for the day. As Jean-Michel enjoyed a spot of tea, we engaged in a very animated conversation about all of these topics. So let's dive right in. This is Brian Reesman doing a new episode of the podcast Side Jams here with French electronic music legend and man who never ages, Jean-Michel Jarre. Thank you. Promoting his new album, Equinox Infinity, yeah, which is a sequel. As opposed to the Oxygen 3, which was a trequel. was the, uh, that was the yeah. I mean, it's, it's not exactly a
2: sequel. It's more, I would say, it's more like uh, the f- the first Equinox on steroids. It's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, like a, more a reboot, as we would say in the movie industry, than than a sequel. I, I started from the uh, this idea of the of the cover of the uh, right. of the album, and I was always curious because this, this fantastic cover of the vinyl era with uh, these watches. Uh, what, what happened to these creatures? And uh, so I built this album, really like a scenario for what happened to them, and they are for me symbolizing the evolution of, of technology. Like yeah. that technology is watching us. And then I, I, I conceived this album with two different covers: one symbolizing the future, more peaceful and green, and the other one more dystopian, more apocalyptic. Right. And, uh, trying to create a soundtrack, were able, being able to work for both possibilities.
1: Well, and there's also a big visual element to all of these things, too. And and, and the album has a definite sci-fi vibe. I think one, one critic actually has a... One of the vocals sort of has a fifth element kind of quality, and I think a little bit of Blade Runner sort of at the beginning, and then uh, the third track also, I, which I which I like a lot. And I mean, you're, you're a big sci-fi fan.
2: I love sci-fi. I right. love everything linked to space, also. Yeah. I lived really the beginning of my career as a musician uh, in the 70s as a um, uh, p- period where we had this kind of uh, greed and appetite for the future, vision for the future, kind yeah. of Romanesque approach to the future, that after year 2000, cars would fly and, and so on. <laughs> and then uh, uh, after year 2000, suddenly it was like, suddenly our view of the future wa- was shrinking. Yeah. And uh, if we were actually losing this kind of uh, vision to, to the future. And it just came back, maybe a few years ago, with uh, some people, such as Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, thinking about SpaceX colonizing the Moon again or yeah. exploring Mars. And of course, sci-fi always interested me, and I've been a, a, a very close friend to Arthur C. Clarke, the author of 2001: Space That's Odyssey. Right. So this is this is something that is, of course, linked to my work, but also for, for pleasure and something I, I really like to explore.
1: Now, from what I understand, you know, you were influenced by 2001 in some of your early music, and yeah. then when he wrote 2010, he was influenced by listening to your music.
2: That's right, exactly. <laughs> exactly,
1: you know that. This is a great, which is a great turnaround. I and mean, what? Yeah. Is there any particular books that he wrote that you really are, are fond of?
2: Actually, uh, I, I I love the um, the sequel of 2001. And he, I remember when when he the first time when I discovered that I was in the acknowledgments of the second, the sequel of two thousand and one, I wrote a uh, letter to him, and uh, and then it was before just before the internet, yeah. And and then he answered me by giving me his planning, his schedule f- until two thousand and one. <laughs> it was in the uh, late eighties, <laughs> and and then where also he would uh, he would he would give me the 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 kind of books and projects he has. So, I mean, I, I really love the 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 old world of Arthur C. Clarke. I would, apart from the, these books, I, would, I think I would say all of them.
1: So Arthur C. Clarke gives you his schedule to 2001. Did he follow it?
2: More or less, he? yeah.
1: That's <laughs> all the projects he wanted to more do? More or less,
2: it? yes, more or less, yeah. And he said that he would uh, create 20... 2001. I think it's a, one yeah. of the latest books he did. At more or less at the same at the right period. It was it was quite amazing.
1: There's an author I like from England called John Brunner who did yes. a lot of interesting book. shockwave Rider. I think that yes. one, Hugo. Yes, that's right. And yeah. in the late 60s, and I just wrote a book of his called Double Double. I love I love. I'm reading some of his late 60s because I love hearing about all this psychedelic psychedelic era mixed in with sci-fi. Like to me, that's actually reading books like that. In the, in the original printings or watching older films like sci-fi films. Films to me, that's like time travel.
0: Yeah, because exactly. you're going
1: back in time, and you're especially the lower budget films where they couldn't afford big production values. You're seeing things as they were.
2: Exactly, and you know, recently you have uh, uh, this great movie called uh, Moon by uh, Duncan Jones, the yeah. David Bowie's uh, son. Yes, and and it's very interesting to to think about the this idea that um, uh, it's a, quite a dystopian future situation where. Uh, one guy is in, uh, on the moon and uh, surrounded by machines. And uh, then uh, we discover that maybe he's not a real human. Yeah. And this is very premon- premonitory about uh, the future of artificial intelligence where we could think about a future where it would be more and more difficult to separate man and machine. Yeah, And uh, this is not only a sci-fi vision. It could be real. Actually, having said that, I realized that lots of sci-fi visions and sci-fi ideas became true later on yeah. and it's interesting talking about Arthur C. Clarke that actually inf- he influenced NASA, mm-hmm. he influenced the, even the, the, the whole um, uh, mission on the, uh, on the moon, that lots of equipment or all that have been influenced by the vision of Arthur C. Clarke oh, yeah. so it's quite interesting to see this kind of go between fiction and science
1: Well, they basically have an iPad in 2000. when you're watching the film. I was like, hey, I saw it twice this year. I hadn't seen it in about 10 years. It's my favorite film. And I saw it. They had the the, the quote-unquote non-restoration, which was like showing it digitally, but it's like a print. It was taken from a film print, and it had the real changes and little scratches and everything like that. Christopher Nolan wanted to make sure it was you could experience it the way people did back in the 60s. And then I saw it live with the New York Philharmonic performing the score, yeah. which was insane because they had the chorus on both sides of the audience in the, in the first balcony. And just to hear that and experience that with a huge yeah, screen was, think, yeah, was amazing. fantastic. Yeah, Your music, and, and especially both the Equinox albums, are dealing with our, our love of, and dependence upon technology. Uh, and you yourself, I mean, you're a human being controlling machines. And, of course, it's been said to me, I interviewed uh, this Israeli historian named Yuval Noah Harari, who has written uh, Sapiens and Homo Deus, and he talks about sort of the evolution of man and how, in a way, we made certain things, certain flora and fauna obsolete, but now we're in the the danger of making ourselves obsolete with artificial intelligence, you know. And he made a point about cell phones, smartphones. He goes, you know, he doesn't use a smartphone. He said, are you controlling the smartphone or is it controlling you? Of course, exactly.
2: (laughs) This is one of the – I'm a big fan of his books and – well maybe I would not necessarily agree is the fact that uh, we have always this kind of uh, pessimistic view of the future, yeah. our grandparents, our parents, ourselves, we all have this tendency to say yesterday was better, tomorrow will be worse, yeah, which is not absolutely not true because we should not never forget that two centuries ago our expectation of life was maybe forty years old, uh, we could die of a cold or a flu because of, we had no antibiotics yeah, no ninety Na- percent of the Planet was starving, so of, I'm not saying that we are living in the perfect world by by far. But actually, it's much better than mm. two centuries ago, and there is no reason why the emergence of artificial intelligence will will be necessarily something bad. Right, right. And we have this pessimistic uh, uh, relationship with future because actually it's uh, the, it's a human being d- DNA. Yeah. I mean because we know. In our flesh, that sooner or later we won't, won't be part of that future. Yeah. By, uh, it's obvious, and 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 then I think this is the reason why I think that we, for instance, for artificial when you are talking about artificial intelligence, in ten years from now we have to admit that probably AI would be a, an algorithm would be able to create some original music, original yeah. movies, original stories, and it's not this re- Bad news. We will have then to reposition ourselves, like we are constantly doing, towards technology. By maybe, if AI can help us um, to use the ninety percent of our brain, what we are not using today. Yeah, uh, that would be maybe a good news.
1: Well, it's interesting. I mean, Steve Aoki is another person who's very positive about the future. I mean, he actually wants to, I think he wants to freeze himself when he's sort of near death, and then hopefully, he'll, yeah. when they, have, they can prolong people's lives, so they'll be woken. I mean, hopefully that wouldn't be like an Austin Power- – I love that Austin Powers, you know, when he wakes up, he's like, he's like, well, as long as people are still going around having promiscuous, unprotected sex with random partners, you know, I'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, nope. <laughs> that's not happening. I mean, it goes both ways. I mean, obviously, the more compelling visions of the future tend to be the darker ones, and I, I guess, in a way, if they're cautionary tales that we can learn from, that's great. I mean, your your music itself, I mean, the new Equinox. what's different about this is I think the original one was a bit more upbeat overall in tone. There's a, there's a percolating quality to a lot of the, the sequencing and the synths, and there's a, an atmospheric quality to both that is similar. Um, Robots Don't Cry has a very, I like, I, like that, I like that kind of swinging vibe it has. You know, it's not jazz, but it, it yeah. kind of swings yeah. there. and. But, you know, it, there's a bit more dark on this album, I think, but it still goes into the light, and your music has generally been like that.
2: I think what, I like this kind of uh, almost oxymoron between, between contradiction between happiness and sadness of being sunny and dark. And I think that uh, uh, also the idea of releasing this uh, project with two covers, Yeah. I mean, one more bright, peaceful, and the other one is with, with darker, more darker, darker or dystopian. Right, right. it's part of what i like in like we like by the end of the day yeah. in any kind of uh, uh, creations in movies in paintings in, uh, in contemporary art in music we could we could go together uh, in a in a studio and doing a dark song in 2 hours it's yeah. very it's very easy to be dark yeah. but i mean uh, and it uh, it sells also i mean why i mean well these, the, days. The, these days i mean i mean news channels are uh, are making their, their uh, are making a fortune by emphasizing bad news because good news don't sell as we know and it's much more difficult from a creative point of view to do something positive, dynamic, happy even not being cheesy. And and it's the reason why that uh, it's interesting and th- in this in this album I really try to to go in both directions yeah. having some brighter moments and some darker moments
1: you know I grew up in the 80s and the 80s was actually a pretty optimistic time I mean, mm. there were a lot of problems and we had a lot of problems in America but still there was this optimistic tone that's kind of disappeared since then and exactly I, I love dark stuff I mean I love I'm, me too I'm, sorry, yes, I'm a classic course. goth you know I yeah. love. I love I mean 2001 is sort of Half and half. There's a darkness to it, but it sort of seems to have. I mean, the monolith sort of seems to be spiriting along the human race in a way to its next evolution because we can't seem to kind of figure out what we're doing. Exactly. Um, you know, are there other science fiction films that you really like that, that either follow these themes or just in general well, they've influenced of course, you? And I your mean, work?
2: You know, we, we've been in a. When I started electronic music, I mean, being as some people say, I kind of pioneer in this field. I mean, what does it mean? Actually, before me, you had nobody. So was a privilege to open doors on virgin territories and so on. Yeah. Uh, and my influences then went from movies and literature. Yeah. Sci-fi literature, but not only. And, and movies such as 2001. And then we, as you said very truly, the 80s was very positive, And then we lost that appetite for the future. It's very interesting that at the beginning of the 21st century, to symbolize the future, we were using Marvel heroes. Yeah. I mean, from the 50s. Yeah. I mean, Batman and Superman are, are almost uh, I mean 80 years old they are they are very The Marvel stuff is old. newer but I guess we'll no, check. the first one I, mean, I was talking about oh, yeah, yeah. The, the beginning of the 21st century yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I mean to symbolize the future yeah. we we were using symbols of the past uh, heroes vintage yeah. and and nowadays we are to answer to your questions you have really movies such as uh, of course interstellar for me interstellar is the 2001 of the 21st century right, right. ghost in the shell it's very very the interesting anime. Movie, I mean yes. the anime or the eye, yeah yeah even the first man recently the mars also gravity you have lots of interesting movies gravity, dealing yeah. with uh, uh, with space and with uh, sci fi again.
1: Well, this is, me, what's interesting about gravity is I just viewed it as a metaphor. Some people are like, What's this about? I'm like, oh, it's, To me, it was a metaphor about a woman who had been untethered because she lost her child, and then she's kind of getting back to Earth. When they're doing the thing with the, with the uh, fire extinguisher, she's like, That wouldn't propel her anywhere. It would freeze. You'd just, you're stuck in space. But not everything is, can be <laughs> scientifically
2: yeah, you accurate. Know, but I, I totally I agree. Well, the big difference between science and art, I mean, you don't. You don't need necessarily to be, to be true, to be faithful to what's possible or not. Yeah. As long as you, you, are, you are saying something relevant, uh, mean about, the human, about human beings. Of course, we know that in some sci-fi movies, you mm-hmm. have lots of uh, unrealistic things. I mean, starting by the sound. You have no sound in space. Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke was saying, saying to me, you know, one day we'll do a, a concert on the moon. I, I told him that you know, you know Arthur that it's not possible because you, know, you don't have oxygen on, on, on the roof you <laughs> don't have you so say yes but you'll find a way but you know it's still uh, that was the big difficulty when uh, I did this concert uh, I was preparing this concert in Houston yeah because Ron like McNair you know, Ron McNair Ron McNair was uh, was uh, about to play as you know in the weightlessness of space live with uh, during the concert,
1: from the challenger with, yes. the saxophone, with saxophone
2: exactly, and then before the tragedy, and we worked we worked a lot about how to do it, yeah. and we had some very silly problems like how to get out of the saliva of the uh, saliva of the instruments out in space. So you had to have oh, wow, uh, you had to have a special equipment to get the saliva out of the of the saxophone and things like this, and also how to record this in space. No. And, uh, and I've always been I- impressed by the silence by the idea of silence in space and the only one who actually really thought about that for the, in, during the soundtrack and the sound is, is Kubrick yeah. Stanley Kubrick as you probably know yeah. sent lots of different uh, seven different sound uh, engineers all over the world to record different kind of silence to try to find the right silence for the right scene yeah. In space, what could it be?
1: I like when science fiction films have sound, but like you might hear the sound from in, inside someone's battleship or like their yeah. space cruise or whatever, it is inside a pod, and but you hear it from their their point of view inside, as opposed to outside. Exactly. You know, it's kind of like when people are underwater. Well, the, the sounds you're going to hear generally, it's, they oftentimes emulate the sound of what is inside your wetsuit or your exactly. helmet, rather than what's outside. Yeah. Because you wouldn't. It's a different experience. And
2: you know, it's the reason why that uh, in. Uh the, for this um, experience with Ron McNair when of, of course he died and he passed away in the, the, the crash of Challenger yeah. but then the, this piece I wrote uh, for for um, for him and called uh, Ron's piece the last rendezvous in the uh, rendezvous album yeah actually before that I, I, I said okay the, the beat the rhythm should be done by his own his own heartbeat because oh, wow. because actually when you're in space what you hear is your heartbeat yeah yeah, and And also apparently, the very high frequency of uh, coming from your brain okay. the, the electricity of your brain is actually is a creating a kind of high frequency. So I apparently you you, you you listen to this and then I use that. I mean having very high kind of frequency that you, you have yeah. that I put continuously over the track. And then the heartbeat, and of course, with the tragedy of Challenger, this whole, this I mean, this whole track with the heartbeat of the, of the astronaut, I mean, created something else, in a kind of metaphor. Well,
1: hopefully, at some point, you can do something like that again. I mean, it's uh...
2: introducing the new Starbucks Pistachio Cream Cold Brew. Silky pistachio cream cold foam tops our bold, smooth cold brew for a delicious twist on a favorite winter flavor. Make today a good day. Order ahead on the Starbucks app.
3: Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on
1: checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. How much farther can you reach with music? You know, you've played in, you played by the pyramids, you've played huge concerts in Europe and Houston. I mean, it's... I sort of joke with a lot of these superhero movies now. It's like sort of how many, they have the ego the living planet and the second Guardians of the Galaxy. But then beyond that, like how much bigger can you get in a movie? And I guess with mu- music, we still have a chance to venture into other places and do yeah, that. Yeah. And then, so it's <laughs> very
2: funny that in lots of, of these movies, like even Ready uh, Player One recently. Yeah. I mean, how, how funny it is to, they, they use a lot of uh, music from the, from the 80s. The early, new wave type of tracks and all that. Yeah. It's quite, quite fun because it's linked to this naive, innocent idea of the future.
1: Well, means. also, like, like, like the synthwave movement, which I love, you know, all the synthwave stuff coming out now. Yeah. I mean, there's a big influence from like Miami Vice, that kind of neon look. There's a lot of this 80s pastel colors, really bright, in a way, very positive, and some of it kind of goes into sort of the cult movie and sort of the B movie area. But it's it's really interesting that that's all come back. It's, exactly. It's coming in a, it's sort of a new form. Yeah. Um, I mean, visuals are a big part of what you do, and and I mean, obviously the artwork it was uh, Michelle Granger.
2: Yes, that's right. He
1: uh, he yeah. did some of your, your famous Oxygen yeah. and Equinox and yes. some of the chronology. Yeah, Rendezvous. Also. Rendezvous, and so those are very en- enigmatic covers.
2: Yeah. And actually, for the for the new one, I wanted to have. a uh, transposition into the, the com- co- computer world yeah. and then I found on Instagram a young a very talented young artist in uh, Czechia in Prague mm-hmm. I mean really very interesting guy and I asked him to uh, actually uh, take the watches and putting putting them in the different Graphic context with uh, computer graphics. Yeah. And this is the, the, the idea of the covers of the, of the
1: uh, It's Philippe Hodas? That's right. Yeah, because I, I found, actually on my phone, I was looking up some of his uh, stuff, and he's also very sci-fi influenced, ah, actually, thought, in his work. I mean, there's... He uh,
2: did this, this kind of you know, Pac-Man,
1: uh, yeah. Pac-Man, Star Wars, there's Bender from Futurama. That's right. Like this, and this you know,
2: it's because of this, because of this one, I said, this is the guy I want really? to work with.
1: Well, I used to say that this is, uh, yeah, this is it's a picture of like Bender's head, but it's like a statue head covered in moss by the, by this stream.
2: Yeah, that's right. And, and exactly. it's
1: it's kind of like what you'd expect to find like in a Star Wars movie on like some far off planet, like yeah, a lived in universe. It's exactly that. Yeah, he's got Pac Man. He's got. So a lot of this stuff is very 80s, a little Blade Runner-ish. Yeah, in a way, of that's, course, yes. That's the cityscape here is kind of a little Blade runner And we had
2: a fantastic collaboration by actually... Uh, I, I explained him what, what I wanted to do to create, and uh, he's been really gra- great and cool.
1: And I like that stuff, and, and it ties in with what you do, and I understand that actually you have done some painting in yes, the past. Yes, yes, a
2: lot. I re- even hesitated between painting and music at one stage. Really? Yeah. So,
1: what, so, what I was trying to look up some stuff, like what was it? What was your work like? Is it impressionistic I, the way your music is, or is I, it different?
2: I was really in a, in, in a, in a abstract world, in a, like with, with a lyric abstraction, like people from like Soulage in French, Hartung, Jax, Jackson Pollock, uh-huh. all these kind of uh, things. And I always thought that um, there is a strong link between abstract painting and electronic music. It's all about uh, cooking, all about. Uh, um, Having a very tactile, sensual organic approach to sounds or textures yeah the same the same approach if you take uh, Jackson Pollock the way he he's dealing with uh, with painting in a very like like cooking, yeah. you know like putting spa- spices in a very organic tactile way and uh, and the same when I, I do music and when we, as electronic musicians who are doing music, we are cooking like uh, and, and loops and beats and textures and yeah. waveforms in a very Sensual, sexual way.
1: When did you predominantly do your painting? What, like, what, approximately which years? What period of your career? It was
2: really when I was uh, uh, from twelve years old to eighteen. Oh wow! Okay. And, and then I was. It was in times where, where I, I mean, my 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 parents split up when I was five, and my my we were living in a small apartment in the south part of Paris. Right, right. And uh, we so at a very early stage I was continuing my my music and my my studies at college and then university but I was I was, um, I was um, uh, helping my mom and actually I was doing this and she had a um, kind of shop in, at the flea market in Paris okay. a very famous flea market in Paris and then uh, I was selling my paintings but because I was quite quite young like looking like a really child, a young child I said that this, I was saying that this, this paintings was made by my older brother <laughs> and then I and then I, I I sold quite a lot of paintings like this you know, at the flea market in Paris.
1: So so have you kept? I mean, I'm assuming you kept your paintings from from back then.
2: Yes, but I I, I sold a lot. So um, I mean, lots of them are somewhere. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not somebody uh, very good at keeping things. But uh, I still have a few. Yes, that my mom kept.
1: Yeah, and you're also a film buff. Since we've been talking about science fiction, I understand you like to watch. As many as yes. you know, almost one a day if you can if you can. Yeah, exactly,
2: I mean I, I, I try to do that it's really hard for. how do you do that? <laughs> actually you know I I I'm going to tell you uh, how I, I deal with this I mean because I'm I'm working quite late at night I'm quite a night night bird and, and so am I I know. stop I stop for dinner and then during dinner I always watch one episode of things or one movie and I mean, maybe I will I will take the first half at dinner and the other, the other half the following day. If it's yeah. a long movie, I'm forcing myself almost to uh, to keep going with uh, watching movies and also reading. I, I try to read. I've always reading. I'm always reading three books at the same time. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then it takes time, but it's a good. Uh, I-, I mean, even if I go to bed at four or five o'clock in the morning, I, I always leave 15-20 uh, minutes just before sleeping uh, reading at something. I think. It's, for me, it's a kind of uh, like when you are diving deep and yeah. you have steps to go back to uh, the natural pressure. It's the same thing with movies and, 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 and books for me.
1: You know, my problem is, I think, is retention. I'm, I'm kind of very ADD, so what I've noticed is sometimes I have to watch something a second time and then a lot more of the details seep in. I sort of watch it the first time and let it wash over me.
2: Uh, I more. I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Because lots of people could think that it's quite quite strange to, to watch movies twice. In lots of cases, it's allowing you to discover something else.
1: And, and then it's like the second or third time if you really love it. You're like, oh, yeah. Like There's certain movies I watch repeatedly... And then as you get older, like I was watching part of Yellow Submarine again because I, I love, you know. And, and, exactly. And, 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 so there's,
2: you things and
1: there's little things in there. Or and I, I love to absorb things. And sometimes you don't always realize that it influences you. I, I love horror and I'm trying to write some horror stuff and I realize I just keep absorbing things. So sometimes it gets to the point where you collect a lot of stuff or you have an endless Netflix queue. And it's almost like you're never going to get there. It's like the journey, I guess. You're never going to watch everything you want to or read everything you want to.
2: But you know, it's, it's a very interesting point you're raising now because actually, this is the reason why that uh, I think that artists are keep keeping going on, this idea that uh, you are never really satisfied about what you're doing, and yeah. then you have you are dreaming about the perfect album or the perfect movie or the perfect book that you maybe will never achieve. But then it's like a soap, it's like a, something you are uh, you are running after like a mirage, yeah. and I think that that is also. Part of the almost, I would say, the DNA of a cre- any kind of creative process. This is the reason why I feel, for instance, with this album, like a beginner. And, and saying that I think that with this album, I, I maybe achieve one step or one part of what I want to achieve or what I want to share with people.
1: <laughs> it's almost like a perpetual midlife crisis. <laughs> exactly, it's
2: exactly that. Very very well put.
1: So, what movies lately have you loved that you love
2: watching? Uh, uh, I, I saw um, Ready Player One. And why I, I loved I, I, I watched it is because I'm working with um, a very interesting company at the moment in, in Los Angeles called the VR, uh, the Way VR. And this is a collective um, is a team working on uh, creating VR world. And there is a, this great artist called Sutu involved in the special effects for this pre- uh, movie. Uh, and uh, he created an whole uh, VR world around Equinox Infinity. I wanted to watch this movie and talking about uh, uh, the influences. This, this, it's a very good movie, but there is a brilliant scene. I don't know if you saw the yeah, movie. I've seen it. the This whole scene where he's recreating Shining from Kubrick. Yes, that was great. And that, that was fun. That's a yeah. brilliant moment
1: you know the one thing about that and I was going to people, spoiler alert the one thing I, I wish that the story had done is at the end when, you know, when he finally gets to the he gets the keys and gets into the realm and then the guy shows him the buttons and says don't touch that because you'll undo this and I was almost thinking man press the button Yes. undo this entire world and let's see something new exactly. come out of this I man. agree um, but you
2: know Spielberg would never do a, nah, such an ending I don't,
1: <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I don't think the writer did it either in the book as far as I know yeah. now, are there any classic films that you, you've watched over, more than once
2: uh, pff, yes uh, of course uh, I mean I would say that uh, Orson Welles for yeah. me is very very uh, and uh, if we go only we really on uh, old movies Metropolis from Fritz Lang yeah Metropolis and The Woman on the Moon is not a quite unknown movie from Fritz Lang very interesting okay and uh, and also all um, Italian movies from the the 60s 70s like uh, Fellini movies for mm. instance for me has been a Great source of inspiration, and uh, all um, Christopher Nolan, Tarantino movies, uh, I mean, all, and David Lynch also. Oh, yeah. I love people who are not telling you which ending to choose. Like in two thousand one, Space Odyssey.
1: I think you had a small role in a film from nineteen sixty seven. It said "Boys and Girls" instead of yes. Le Chanteur, So you were the singer. That's so right. So what, what, what was that? What was your? What was that movie like? What was your role in that? <laughs> Just
2: <laughs> uh, no, it was actually. Uh, we were the band inside the movie So it was not really playing right, right. It was not like an actor playing a role But I more that, than yeah. a band in, inside the movie where, where I was mainly doing what I was doing With my rock band at that, at that stage
1: At that stage Was yeah. it a good movie?
2: It was like funny It was like a funny early 70s or late 60s movie It was fun for the, for the time
1: well maybe at some point we'll see you scoring a new film because now you've done some in the past yeah They're and I always
2: considered, as I told you last time uh, that it was my father's territory uh, but nowadays I would be very interested to uh, to be more involved in uh, soundtracks yes cool well
1: thank you very much I, I wanted thank to you. chat with you about all this other stuff because I just figured like you know you interview people at your, at your main gig about music and everything like that but it's all kind of interconnected and you, and,
2: and you yes yes and there's so many things uh, happening and, and uh, also in the 3D world and uh and uh, VR world uh, linked to this, to this project so I've, uh, it's, it's strange because I've been uh, uh, I was thinking the other day that I, I just released around five albums in three years the t- last three years which is a lot yeah. more than any, any, any other time so uh, it's a rather positive phase Creatively for me at the moment. So.
1: You no, know, just saying, you know. At this point, you can easily retire and just like that's you know, right, they, exactly. And travel to space. Yes, you can go on the Mars yes, exactly, voyage, exactly. but then you exactly. might not come back. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: I hope you enjoyed the second episode of Side Jams. Please join me next time when my guest will be thrash metal and jazz guitarist Alex Skolnick. We wandered through the stacks of the Strand Bookstore in New York City while discussing his love of literature. In case you're wondering, the tunes used in this episode are from Fox and the Law, and I licensed them through AudioSocket. Thank you all for listening.
0: Hey, this is Brad Page from the I'm In Love With That Song podcast, inviting you to join me as we explore a different song each episode, discovering what makes these songs great. The performances, arrangements, and the production tricks and techniques are all part of creating those magic moments that turn a good song into a great one. On this podcast, we take a deep dive into each song, listening to all those nuances that came together to make it a great song. Our journey takes us across the musical map, from the Beatles and the Stones to Aretha Franklin and Tom Petty, Kiss, the Cars, Todd Rundgren, and Roxy Music, from Badfinger to Al Green, Stevie Wonder to David Bowie, from Aerosmith to To the zombies. We listen to it all on the I'm in love with that song podcast. You may be unfamiliar with some of these songs, and some of them you've probably heard a hundred times, but I bet if we listen closely, we can discover something new. So join me on the I'm in love with that song podcast and let's listen together because I think you're going to love these songs too. Flash, flash, flash. Splash Weather Repel Premium Windshield Wash features a three-in-one formula that repels rain, sleet, snow, and bugs while leaving a streak-free shine. And its advanced beading technology keeps you seeing safely all year long. See safely on the road when you apply a little splash. Pick some up at Walmart today. As a new Western Union customer, you can enjoy a zero-dollar transfer fee on your first international online money transfer. Send money to your loved ones back home the fast, easy, and reliable way. Visit WesternUnion.com or download their app today to get started. And your first transfer fee is free. Services offered by Western Union Financial Services, Inc., NMLS 906983 or Western Union International Services, LLC, NMLS 906985. FX Gain Supply.
3: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football